We got a name for Fridays around these parts. It's Ryan Day as he lets out the big old sigh. I mean, he, <laughs> give him a break. He's battling a cold, but uh, you know, he's got a lot on his plate right now, too. And he's a trooper. Still came onto the sports pen with me, Tanner Hoops. What's up, Ryan? Not much. Uh, as you can probably tell from my voice, it's not at 100%, but uh, I'll plow through and uh, do the best I can. It is nice out there, which is great. You yeah. know, I. Uh, it, uh, it's funny. I have two cars, and one of them, like, Apparently, the snow decided to linger on the windshield. The other one, it completely melted off, but the other one, it decided to stay. So I had to scrape my windshield wipers like five, six times to get it all off. But it's weird how that worked it's out. It's the joy of living up here. Yes. That's one of the many, many things that uh, appeals about me. Very much so, yes. I tell you what, we got a lot to get into today. It's a big week for Northern Michigan. Uh, Hoops team trying to continue their Cinderella run as they head down to Grand Valley this weekend for the GLIAC Tournament semifinals, and hopefully the finals matchup on Sunday. Of course, hockey is going to open up WCHA tournament play this weekend. There's a new collective bargaining agreement that's on the table, and uh, we have more details emerging about that. Uh, the coronavirus continues to spread throughout the country, and it's affecting the sports uh, landscape now. And uh, there may be a trade deal in place as far as NBC and ESPN looking at setting up some broadcaster trades, which is kind of fascinating to me. There you go. Also, to clarify, I have a cold. I do not have the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm not infecting anybody. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate yeah. that. Because I you, I, I don't want to say I would never have you back if you infected me, <sighs> but I, I, I might. That might be the one thing that gets you banned from that, the show. Uh, okay. Otherwise, you can do pretty much anything you want. All right, well, I'll try to push the limit on each show, see how far I can get. (laughs) I tell you what, there are a lot of places that we could start. Uh, I could start with the fact that the Lakers think that the missing piece to their championship and their continued arms race with the Clippers is a guy who accidentally got high on a plane from a gummy. They uh, signed Dion Waiters. I love that story. Isn't that great? And uh, we could talk about Steph Curry, how he dropped 23-7-7 and last night in his first game back. But I want to start with this because it is not getting the attention that it deserves. Professional eater, Joey Chestnut, he's the guy that, you know, every year in the 4th of July, you ever watch that Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest? I used to a lot. He is the guy that almost always wins it. He decided to switch to cheeseburgers now. And in one sitting this week, he downed 32 McDonald's Big Macs, a new world record. I can handle one. How is that guy still alive? It's either metabolism or just, I don't know, he's gone through so much training, his body can just take it. What's his cholesterol look like? I'd love to hear a test on what it actually is. 32 Big Macs in one sitting. You know, I guess if you haven't eaten like the entire week, (laughs) you know, you could probably do it. You know, I mean, you're so famished, you could probably pull it off. It totaled uh, totaled 15.4 pounds of meat that he consumed in one sitting. uh, Do you think he has candles? (laughs) Did you see that story? (laughs) Apparently McDonald's is selling candles that smell like a quarter pounder. Isn't that great? Yeah. So you have candles that smell like ketchup, onion, pickles and mustard and beef and bun i feel like a an onion smell would not be appealing whatsoever and i don't get onions on my quarter pounds. no i don't and i don't either i don't like onions and is there anything weirder than coming into your house and smelling like a mcdonald's <laughs> you get hungry a lot yeah i mean but wouldn't you think it would sour you on mcdonald's i would think it would get old after yeah, a bit yeah by the way, I don't put pickles on my Big Macs or my, really anything either. I don't like pickles. I, 
Is it really a Big Mac, then, if you take off, like, half the toppings? You know what? I'm more of a quarter-pounder guy than a Big Mac guy. I will go with the, basically, just the cheese. The cheese and the condiments. Okay. I am not a vegetable guy, especially not at my burgers. I will eat a Big Mac if you take off the onions. That's my rule. Fair enough. I'm with you there. I'm not a big onion guy. I do like onion rings. That's about the only thing onion-related I like. I like good onion rings. The thing is, is like sometimes you'll get like gross onion rings, and Mm -hmm. it just it sours you on the experience. Well, I tell you what, let's get into some Northern Michigan stuff. Yeah, we'll do that in a moment. We'll keep teasing that a little (laughs) bit because there is something that is going to make Tiger fans happy. And that's what we try to do, because if if you know a Tiger fan, give them a hug. They need it right now. They're going through some tough times. Uh, yesterday at spring training, Travis Demerritt, he took Garrett Collyard. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. And Casey Mize threw two really solid innings. It's that, spring training, but it's encouraging. I mean, this year's going to be a disaster. That's my column this week. <laughs> I'm writing about spring training, about the Tigers and the Brewers, so it's, uh, it's going to be bad this year. Mm-hmm. But there's signs that there's... A light coming at the end of the tunnel. So. How many games do they lose? Do they, do they reach 100 again? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I don't I, know if it's going to hit 114, but they'll hit the 100. Mark. I think I have them at 104. I think Oof. I'm going with about 104. Okay. Yeah. So a, a slight improvement from last year. A slight improvement, baby steps, and yeah. this could very well be it for Garden Hire. He's kind of the bridge guy. He's never been their long-term guy, I don't think, and they're going to mm. axe him and get the guy that they really want in there. Who do you think is the guy they really want in there? I don't know. I don't know who's going to be available here. Hmm. It's a good question, though. Alan Trammell. Alan Trammell. Why not? Bring him back. He should at least be a Hall of Famer, if not a Major League Baseball manager. Yeah. Why not? Lou Whitaker. What's he doing? What's he doing these days? Putting out some good names here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Okay. um, How about Craig Monroe? I know he's a broadcaster, but he always seemed like a clubhouse leader when he was a player. You think he'd be a good manager? I, I think he could be. I mean, it's like, but... I don't know. I feel like it's always a risk to have a former player immediately jump into manager. Mm. I feel like you want to have them, I don't know, if they're a pitcher, start like with the pitching coach or like maybe like the hitting coach before you jump in there or like the bench coach where you just sit there and do nothing all day. <laughs> I mean, Don Zimmer worked that for perfection for his entire existence. I mean, isn't that the cushiest, cushiest jig, um, jig, cushiest gig in sports? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All That's you do good. is sit there. Mm. You know, and occasionally if the manager gets tossed, you take control. I but wonder what the job description is for a bench coach. I'd love to know it. I really would. Your your whole existence is based on experience. You're the That's backup it coach. It's yeah. kind of what you are. You're the backup manager. Mm-hmm. I got a name for you, a potential Tiger manager, former Tiger Gary Pettis. Ooh. I think he'd be a great manager. Right now, third base coach with the Houston Cheaters. Nice. The Asterix. The Asterix, mm-hmm. yes. Very much. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on the list. Um, I know Alan Trammell failed when he was here before, but why not? Why not? I mean, it's not like they're going to they'll get worse, <laughs> you know, if he comes on. So I do like Travis Demerit, though. Okay. I do like that guy. Okay. As a player, I'm not talking about, I mean, he's he's only, what, 20 years old or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, as a baseball player, I really like him. I think the Tigers found a good guy with him. I mean, they, they got a good bunch of good prospects you have double a guys that could move up this year maybe some triple a guys i mean it's not they're gonna be bad mm-hmm. i mean and i hope tigers fans are aware of that and they probably they are. are yeah and it's just but you know 2021 you might start seeing some good stuff sure. happen. 
Well, I tell you what, this weekend, a big one for Northern Michigan Athletics. Basketball, they have, uh, I was going to say they're making their way down, but that's not true. They stayed down there this week. Uh, they are downstate. They're playing at Grand Valley. And on Saturday, they will contend, uh, tomorrow, I should say, they will contend for a spot in the GLIAC Finals, a team that got help to get into the tournament. And now suddenly they're one game away from playing for a championship, two from the national tournament potentially, and they have a very winnable game coming up here tomorrow. It's it's weird how things have turned around. There was a stretch there where you this team went from potentially having home court to barely getting into the tournament and needing help to do so, and then now with a big upset of Fair State, um, who was a lock to make the NCAA tournament, now they are they have a winnable game against Northwood on Saturday and let's say they play Grand Valley on Sunday they've beaten Grand Valley should have beaten them twice mm-hmm. i mean they're a team that they they can beat them mm-hmm. i mean i that could actually happen i was skeptical tuesday night they needed to beat Ferris to do that but the fact that they pulled it off shows that maybe this team has what it takes. You know, they, they beat the 11th-ranked team of the country for the second time this year. They, they've beaten two different teams at the time. They were ranked number 11. But Ferris certainly was playing for something. I mean, I know, like you said, they're locked for the NCAA tournament, but they were playing to host uh, at least the first couple of rounds. Very of much so. And uh, they had a lot going for them, and that's pretty much kind of disappeared mm-hmm. at this point. So it was to come into Big Rapids, barely getting in, and, you know, not with a whole lot of scoring depth, and to be able to find a way to win that game just shows what this team is capable of. And uh, it's it for a team that was picked to finish last in the GLIAC North to not only make the GLIAC tournament and pull an upset like that, and I think they're going to beat Northwood mm-hmm. on Saturday. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's a huge accomplishment. You know, the, and how good was Ben Wolf the other night? First career collegiate double double, and it comes in maybe the biggest game of his career. Yeah, and Miles Howard, who is you know injured and kind of kept under control, you have a guy coming off the bench and just taking over the center role. And uh, I think that was the kind of performance they were looking from Ben Wolf all year. He finally delivered, and uh, he's going to be seen as the big post player next year. And he showed what he's capable of, and but they're going to need him to step up again on Saturday. And he's got a great shot too. I mean, when you got he can a shoot a three, can yeah. shoot a three. I mean, that stretches the floor so much that causes problems defensively. Yeah, like you got a minute bowl. Like you kind of do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nowhere near as tall, but right. like you know, a big man who can shoot the three real well. I mean. It's interesting how centers have become from just inside guys with, you know, a good hook shot, you know, Mm -hmm. can power to the basket, too. You have to be able to hit perimeter shots. You have to. Yeah, if you're going to make it big. In the modern basketball era, you have to be able to do more than just stand under the basket. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny to me because, you know, I grew up watching, like, Shaq, who just stood there, basically, and just threw down dunks. It's his birthday today. Really? 48 years old. Happy birthday, Shaq. <laughs> On a side note. Yeah. Say, Hopefully he's listening. I yeah. doubt it. Um, but uh, it just it's different. And uh, Ben Wolf is a guy who can shoot the three real well. And uh, just uh, he's going to be an asset for them next year. Well, we got Northwood coming up tomorrow. And that's a team that Northern lost to twice. But everyone feels fairly confident about this one because they played them really well both times. Yeah, and if it had been one thing like if... Northern maybe beat Ferris, but they didn't play well. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, they played pretty solid overall. They kept up with the Bulldogs the entire game and, you know, found a streak at the end to kind of take control. And um, 
but Northwood isn't exactly a team that strikes fear into anybody, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they pull it off. I think they've got so much momentum from that win and just getting into the tournament that if they can come out and play well from the start, I think they're going to be okay. And then to potentially play Grand Valley, that would be a great championship game. You think that the pace of play is going to be the, the biggest key here because Northwood thrives on slowing a game down. They're kind of like a Troy Matson-style team. You know, They want to slow it down and play solid defense. And Yes, and uh, Northern likes to run and gun and shoot threes and uh, do a fast-paced thing. So if Northern can get its fast-paced, you know, be able to hit some shots early and keep it up. I mean, I, I've seen Northern have a letdown in the second half in games that they should have won. And uh, they just got to put together a full 40 minutes instead of uh, 30 is what they Mm. need to do. I tell you what, another potential rematch with Grand Valley, and I know they would absolutely love another chance at them after the way uh, things ended a couple of weeks ago when they were up here. And if not Grand Valley, Michigan Tech. Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, There's a lot of fun things on the plate this weekend. And uh, I think even if Northern gets taken out this weekend it's a season where you can look back at it and moral victories are never good mm-hmm. you know because you know you're at college level you don't look at it that way but i think matt can look back on this and say like look what we did mm-hmm. in my first year they we, had some great moments yeah great moments pulled some upsets made the conference tournament when we weren't predicted to um upset fair state just it's it's a lot of stuff to build off of, and then next year he can start to put together his own roster. So, I mean, you think about the wins that they've had this year, and they've beaten uh, two different teams who were ranked number 11 in the country at the time, and they did it both on the road. Uh, they beat Michigan Tech at the buzzer mm-hmm. on the road. Yes. Uh, weirdly enough, they play better at road than they, they do. do at home. They, play, they do play better away from home. And... Uh, Maybe that's an asset to them. Maybe they're like the anti-76ers. It's, it's they're weird. like the 67ers. <laughs> I like that. Uh, um, so they would be the Seveners to shorten it? Basically. Okay, the yeah. Seveners. The I, Seveners. Uh, I think they're, it's, it's, it, they're a fun team to watch, and I'm, I'm hoping they do well just because they deserve the effort that they put in. And uh, I hope fans realize that this team has the potential to be even better next year. Um, they lost a ton this year and weren't predicted to do much, and they've really shown them what they're capable of. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. The Northern Michigan men's basketball team downstate this weekend. Tomorrow they play a GLIAC semifinal with Northwood. Championship is on Sunday. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll break down the WCHA hockey playoffs and preview the Northern Tech series next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. We Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. Ryan Stieg with you. Glad that you're along here this Friday afternoon. And that means it is game day for the Northern Michigan Wildcats. First and foremost, though, happy birthday. Coach Patoni turned 40 earlier this week. Really? How about that? Turned 40. He turned 40. Oof. What do you mean, oof? I'm dreading turning 40. (laughs) I, I, I wonder how he felt. You know that day because it looks good for forty though. Okay, but I mean, like you know, when you hit forty, it's like I feel like that's a day where everybody's like dreading. I know I'm dreading that, so I'm hoping that he was able to <laughs> have a positive experience on his birthday. I hope that his mind was focused on hockey because they have a relatively big series coming up this weekend, first round of the conference playoffs, and Michigan Tech is in town. Yeah, relatively big. <laughs> I would say it's probably the biggest series of the year, and I know I've said that a couple times before, but it really is. It's uh, 
You know, last week, it took them until the last day of the regular season to clinch home ice. And it, Friday night was a disaster, which is weird because Grant said they didn't play that bad. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't know how you can give up eight. And let's see. Right. That's a, yeah, but uh, and then they bounced back and had a great game on Saturday. So it's they've Northern has got to be consistent. That has been their problem the last month. They'll play well one night and then just and not to lose, but like in disastrous fashion. Mm-hmm. Like they'll either get blown out or they'll give up a bunch of goals, and it's. I don't know what it is, but uh, the good thing is it's a three-game series. It's best of three, so if they stumble, they still have a chance to you know redeem themselves, so it's a good thing. Tonight, game one for a 7 o'clock puck drop. Tomorrow night and Sunday, if necessary, will both be 6 o'clock puck drop. So 7 o'clock tonight, 6 o'clock on uh, Saturday, and if necessary, on Sunday. Well, you follow this team, Ryan, uh, probably closer than anybody as the beat writer. You know them inside and out. But I think the point that is kind of lost on a lot of fans, because I think everyone's focused on this series, focused on Tech. Northern was sputtering offensively here in the last month or so, and the last three games have been pretty darn good offensively. Weirdly, yeah. They, they, you know, they scored five, and then they scored four, and then they scored, you know, three. You know, Mm -hmm. it's basically, Grant has said to me, numerous times that the goal is to get to three because if you can get to three it's a good chance you're going to win mm-hmm. and they've been scoring goals but defense has been the problem and mm-hmm. goaltending has been the problem and it's weird how nolan kent has become the most i want to say hot and gold cold goaltender mm-hmm. i've seen probably since i've been up here he'll play terrible and then the very next night, he'll shut the other team down mm-hmm. like at a level I haven't seen, and it's weird. And but it just shows what you have to have as a goaltender. If you have a bad night, you got to be able to bounce back quickly. And uh, he's shown he's capable of that. Well, I tell you what, that uh, that game coming up tonight, as far as what Northern is looking for against Tech, because Tech has been pretty good here the last couple of years, and e- even in the postseason. They've had some special moments here, and I know that hurt Northern fans seeing them celebrate on our ice a couple of years ago to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Uh, tonight, though, what has to go right for Northern to change that trend of uh, Tech kind of making this their home away from home? Well, as Grant said on the Tuesday, defense has to be better and special teams have to be better. If they, they can't give up eight. They yeah. can't give up that many goals, and they have to be able to get their special teams going. I've watched the... It's like it seems like they're finally able to get their special teams going, but it's just it's so hit or miss that they can't afford to have that at this point in the season. And again, the only plus side is that it's the best of three. So if you have a bad Friday, you can redeem yourself Saturday. Or if you have a bad Saturday, you can redeem yourself on Sunday. So they got that at least. Do you have a prediction for the series whether we'll need Sunday night? I think it's almost a guarantee it's going to go Sunday night. Yeah. I, for this type of series, I mean, I had they been playing a different team, I'd say maybe they could get it done in two, but it's just they they went one and three against Michigan Tech, and it probably should have gone two and two. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's just everything is just screaming three-game series, you know, just looking at the stats, just looking at how the teams have played each other. It... Uh, I don't see how it's going to be a sweep on either side. Well, and Grant told us earlier this week, the three and the six seeds, you can throw that out the window. I mean, that really means nothing coming into this weekend. No, it really doesn't. I mean, the only two series where it really matters are um, Minnesota State and Bemidji State, who have a very distinct advantage over their opponents, whereas 
three and six. There's not much separating, mm-hmm. and definitely not between four and five. It's this year. It's basically it was Minnesota State and surprisingly Bemidji, but like two, three, four, five, six are typically the same type of teams, and they're all pretty equal. But uh, Bemidji shocked everybody this year, so they're a cut above pretty much everybody except Minnesota State. So, but yeah, three, four, five, six—they're all basically the same team, and it doesn't really matter. Do you have another series outside of ours that you're most interested in following? Would it be that four-five matchup? Probably because it's the most competitive one, and I want to see how Bowling Green does in Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> who would have thought Alaska too would get a host a first round in no, the tournament? Game? I don't think anybody saw that coming, and uh, who saw both Alaska teams making into yes. the tournament? It's it's crazy after all the mess that they've had to deal with in the last year, but both of them made it in. One of them's going to have a very early exit. <laughs> um, that would be Anchorage, but. Uh, I don't know, maybe miracles can happen. Could, We've seen it. Could. But, but uh, Fairbanks hosting is huge for the program. I want to see. Well, I brought it up a couple of days ago. I said if there was that brief flirtation that WCHA had where the two Alaska teams would play in the first round, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if Bowling Green was wishing that was the case because <laughs> then they wouldn't have to travel out there. No. Would, um, of course, you're wondering what the setup would be. I think... Wouldn't like Minnesota State play Lake State, and I think Bemidji would play. Um, would they <laughs> play Bowling Green? Is that how well, it they would play? Would have they out? would play Michigan Tech, and I think okay. no, they would play Bowling Green. It's but how much of a mess that would be. But uh, now instead, Bowling Green's going to Alaska, worn out. Did you see the expenses that they had to deal with? No. Imagine booking a last-minute trip to Alaska. Oof. I think it's like a thousand bucks a person. Uh-huh. So you're shelling out that much as an <laughs> athletic department. You can't prepare for that. Nope. It's not like you have that extra cash flying around. So that's like a worst case scenario for a team to have to play in the first round. You know, Alaska. and they likely would have a stop in Seattle, and that's one airport I would not want to be around right now with the coronavirus spreading through that city. Uh, there's a large pocket of infected people there, and that airport getting people all over the world. Uh, that is one airport I would not want to fly out of right now. Um, no, that would not be fun, and uh, you'd have to stop at Anchorage first, and then you'd have to fly to Fairbanks, so mm-hmm. it'd be a very long and exhausting trip, and uh, I'm wondering how it's going to have an effect on them. Uh, it's going to be... Talk about a late puff drop tonight, mm-hmm. but that's uh, going to be one I'm going to pay attention to. I tell you what, though, as far as Northern goes and the series coming up here this weekend, how big was it the way that not only getting the win Saturday, but the way it happened? I mean, I loved what Nolan said, is that he used to be a center fielder when he played baseball, and he acted like he was diving for a, for a, a little looper, and that's kind of the motion, the instinct, the reaction that he had to deflecting the puck aside, which eventually made its way to Craighead for the game-winning goal. That was the craziest play. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he came so far out of the net. He came out almost to the blue line. The only time I've seen that happen for a northern goalie is the 91 championship game (laughs) when Bill Pye came out to stop Tony Amante. And in the most, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? You know, I can't believe he did this. And uh, when he did that, I was like, what is he doing? Mm. You know, you're leaving a gaping hole there. But I guess he tracked the play well. It worked out. It went right to Craighead, just straight down the other side. And Craighead did his signature goal where he beats the guy five hole. And, and it's it's just it's a pretty thing. He's done that so many times against goalies. So it's a crazy play. Um, the replays are hilarious to watch because there's 
that's a play that works maybe what one out of a hundred times. And if you make it work, then you're a hero. If you don't make that play, then your coach is screaming at you. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, yeah. stay in the net. Yeah, it's basically a three-two loss at that point instead of a 3-2 victory so he gambled but it worked out for him and i i'm in, i'm intrigued to see how he's going to play tonight by the way remember a few weeks ago i correctly should i say predicted that luke volton yes, would score did. the first goal of the series i forgot to pick the stick last week tonight i'm going with craighead though craighead gets the first goal for northern that's my pick it's a pretty solid pick he's been hot lately i would say him or I would say, yeah, Craighead's probably yeah. the most likely one. That's probably who I would go with, too. Um, I think Glockern scores tonight, too. Okay. All right. Um, I, 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 you know, we had wondered, do you think Craighead's little husky stick-tap thing was uh, going to play a role? I know it bothered <laughs> a lot of the Huskies, so uh, we'll see how that plays. But the Huskies are on the road, mm-hmm. so I don't know. You think somebody's going to hit the cat tonight? Um, Maybe. Maybe. There might be a little retaliation. What I'm more interested in seeing, and you're going to have to let me know about it because I'll be at uh, Lakeview Gymnasium in Nagani tonight, uh, if Jeruzic's mask will stay on. Keep your mask on, goalie. I I don't think uh, there has been so many twisting and turning I've seen from Tech fans since mm-hmm. that. Um, the first time we did it, um, I didn't have a great shot of it because... I'm on the right side of the press box, and that happened on the left. So I'm trying to get a good view, and it looked like it was more of an innocent thing. The second time it happened, definitely blatant. Yeah. He did it on purpose. and uh, um, But just the trying to spin it into like an accident kind right. of thing. It's like, no, the second time he did it, it was blatantly obvious. So uh, I don't think he's going to pull that again because now the league's watching him on mm-hmm. it. Um, I think if a tech guy is going to hit the cat... It's probably going to be maybe Saturday if they're on the chance of winning, you know, and Mm -hmm. they're starting to blow it out. I can see them doing that, but not Friday. Friday, it's like you're giving the other team too much stuff. I tell you what, I uh, did talk to a few Tech fans, and apparently this has become a habit for Jeruzic, ripping that mask off to get a stoppage in play when there's a scrum right in front of the net. Uh, Apparently that's been a thing that's been happening here the last few weeks, and uh, it's not just uh, uh, an occasion unique to the Northern matchup. No, it's... uh, and it looks bad on you. It does. As a goal and you know, and I like I like Jeruzic. I I'm on a texting basis with him. I covered him my last year in Sioux City. Uh, but no, that's not cool. That's that's bad for hockey. Yeah, it's bad for hockey. It makes you look bad. He's too good of a goaltender to mm-hmm. be pulling stuff like that. You think that's more of a bush league kind right. of thing to pull? And uh, I'm hoping he doesn't do that. And I don't think he will. Now that the league, like I said, is looking at him after getting a penalty, they're on awareness that he's probably going to pull it at some point i tell you what that is coming up tonight the northern michigan michigan tech uh first round of that wcha quarterfinal series let's take our next time out as we hit the bottom of the hour when we come back we'll talk a little uh broadcast media member trades next on espn up check out the up's local sports talk show the sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the espn up app here is your Sports Center update. Uh, former Montreal Canadiens captain, Henry, is that how you say it, Henry, or is it Henri Richard, uh, has I passed away. I think it is, too. I, I don't know. I, I didn't do my due diligence with that. I, I do believe it is Henri, though. Henri Richard passed away at the age of 84. He was part of 11 Stanley Cup championship teams with Montreal. That's 
pretty good. Wasn't he the pocket rocket? Yes. Ugh. Rocket Richard. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels have fired their clubhouse manager, Ben Harkins, after they discovered he was giving a baseball doctoring substance to the opponent. Yeah. In spring training, he's given them this little sticky glue-like substance. In spring training? Yeah. He's given the opponents this. It's not even his own team. Okay. Why spring training? <laughs> the games that don't matter, that's when you're dishing out the substance. Wow. <laughs> I tell you what, baseball's great. And finally, Rolls-Royce, like the luxury car people, are <laughs> offering, uh, they have this deal going on, or they did, offered consumers a chance, they uh, basically had their name put in a drawing, to have a private meeting and a private mass plus Eucharist with Pope Francis. They had to uh, pay $250,000 to get into this drawing. One problem, the Vatican said they have never heard of this before, and uh, Rolls-Royce never contacted them about this. Huh. That's quite the scam. <laughs> what a weird promotion. And it's Rolls-Royce. I mean, they they have a certain clientele that they uh, that they work with or that funds them. And uh, they don't need to scam people. And uh, Why are you going to arrange a private mass, private meeting with Pope Francis without asking or telling him? Like, send a memo. Like, that's something he probably needs to know. Or maybe a tweet. He is active on he Twitter. Is. You know, mm-hmm. all you got to do is, like, say, hey. Holy Father, you up for this? You know, it's like it's easy, you know. Free Rolls Royce. Yeah. Although he, he has a cool car as it is, the Pope Mobile. That's pretty darn cool. It, it's it's the wackiest it's car. It's cool. It's yeah. a cool car. You can wave to people. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. What yeah. kind of car do you think that is? Like, who do you think made the Pope Mobile? Do you think Rolls Royce made it? Huh. Maybe maybe they think they just have some kind of relationship with the Pope. Like, we make you a fancy car, so now you're going to do this for us. Maybe yeah. they just kind of assume that. Yeah, who built the dome, though, that he's in? That's the question. <laughs> did they build a Rolls-Royce with the dome, or did someone attach it? Oh, I'm sure they'd make a custom Rolls-Royce for the Pope. I Is Rolls-Royce the most richest kind of car you can think of that makes you just think, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's very much a white-color car. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that uh, no, no, nothing else really comes to mind that, you know, that I would put above them. I, I've I've seen expensive sports cars, mm-hmm. you know, that rich people would drive. I've seen those before because I grew up in the cities and I saw a Maserati dealership Ooh. and a, you know all these fancy dealerships down there. But uh, I don't think I've ever seen a Rolls Royce in my life. No, so, no. Well, apparently they uh, they try to scam people. I don't know if they were scamming someone <laughs> or if this was just poorly done they thought the pope would agree to it but uh they were i and i wonder what happens to the money like you know people gave to them uh for this if they get that two hundred fifty thousand back would the pope guilt them into giving it back i, I, I it's not on the pope Ugh. he's busy he's got his own he's got pope stuff to I do know. this is on rolls royce send out a tweet saying hey you know what <laughs> you should probably give that money back you know i think the pope is the flu right now oh i know they tested him for coronavirus he didn't have it but uh well well, so, which is good, but uh, no, I I think he is sick. So probably not the best time to have a private mass with the Pope. Although might, that'd be kind of cool. I'd, I, go, I'd go for that. I understand, Francis. I'm battling a bad. <laughs> I'm battling a bug right now too. So Ryan feels your pain exactly. I tell you what, though, there is a uh, trendy story going on right now regarding possible trading of media members um with espn it's starting to gain more traction that espn is looking at topping tony romo's massive contract he just got with cbs 
and offering Tony Romo, uh, I'm sorry, offering Peyton Manning three million more than Tony Romo to be the new voice of Monday Night Football. And it's weird, you know, because we're teammates. I'm on a very small scale teammates with Booger and Joe Tessitore and the current Monday Night Football crew. But they're looking at Al Michaels and Peyton Manning together. That'd be a fantastic broadcast group. Just would they go for it? Wouldn't you think that's kind of a step down, though? For for who? For Al, because it's like he, ratings wise, probably. Yeah. But but are the ratings so low because Booger and Tess were unpopular? I mean, they were unpopular. I mean, Booger McFarland is the epitome of giving you the most Captain Obvious answers during a football <laughs> game. Like, you know, a touchdown takes place if a ball crosses the goal line. <laughs> I just. It's just Sunday Night Football is the highlight of the week. They flex games to Sunday Night Football. And he's been there for, what, like 15 years? He's been there a long time. Yeah, so I don't know. I just... They're going to have to throw an awful lot of money at him to mm. take away that. Although They're get, trying to trade. Yeah, although to get away from Chris Collinsworth, that's probably a good thing. Uh, who do they want? Who do they? Oh, yeah, he would uh, <laughs> get a team up with Peyton instead of Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. Um, I, the ratings certainly have been down for Monday Night Football compared to Sunday Night Football, but maybe part of that is because uh, the incumbent broadcast crew is unpopular. But like you said, the flex package that Sunday Night Football has, that's a huge advantage Monday Night Football doesn't have. Like if you, if you want to... Uh, increase your ratings if you're Monday Night Football your ESPN, you can probably do that better by acquiring one of those flex, flex packages so you don't get these dud games midseason. Yeah, that's probably a good idea to go with because I remember you know, Monday Night Football used to be the marquee game of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, Teams wanted to be on Monday Night Football whereas um, Sunday Night Football when it used to be on ESPN was like <coughs> the scrub teams. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one year it was like <laughs> Sorry, I'm no, struggling. That's all right. That's all right. Um, it was like at the time it was like the three and twelve Falcons <laughs> against like the four and thirteen or so. No, wait, no, I don't know, four and eleven Rams or mm-hmm. something. Like it was such a disaster of a game. And you're just like, it's interesting how it's changed now. And uh, I'm hoping that Monday Night Football can get some marquee games now too. I tell you, I hope they get Peyton Manning. I would love to hear Peyton Manning in the booth. I really would. Well, he's got such a he's such a great pitch man yeah. for ads. His commercials and are great. He's got a great voice. He's was great on SNL. I mean, he's just he. If there's a perfect guy, I mean, when Tony Romo took over, you were just like, okay, is this one of those where we find an athlete and just throw him <laughs> in the booth and see what happens? No, he was actually very good at it. So. Um, I think he actually is a lot of potential to be great. You know, there was one other name that came up, and this was a report from Andrew Marshand, and there was another name that came up ESPN is also looking at, and that's Philip Rivers to be the other uh, analyst in the booth, and Rivers is not mutually interested. He still plans on playing this year, but currently he's a free agent, and he's an aging free agent, aging out of the league, his prime well behind him, and you might think a little bit down, farther down the road, could Philip Rivers end up making his way to the booth at a high level? Does he have the personality to be it, though? I doubt it. I really don't think he has any kind of personality. He strikes <laughs> me as one of those guys that is extremely vanilla. Uh, but so is Andrew Luck, and I'd probably be okay with Andrew Luck in the booth. Yeah, Luck is kind of like a dopey sense of humor, A little bit. Though. Like, yeah. that is his personality, is being so vanilla. Yeah, it's like, but Philip Rivers has, like, no personality, and he whines a lot during games. So it's like... I don't know if I want to listen to a Philip Rivers press conference, um, anything that I couldn't even tell you what his voice sounds like. I really couldn't. I can't. I can't either. Um, But I just remember him just being 
just so err on the sideline. I'm so angry over stuff that when I throw pick sixes <laughs> all the time. So it's just he's, I don't know, never been a fan of Philip. I just I don't, I don't know why ESPN is interested in him. I mean, he's he's still trying to play. He plans on playing, but apparently ESPN and they have made it public that they are interested in him if Peyton Manning doesn't agree to be the Monday Night Football analyst. I. It's just weird that you'd go after a guy who still intends on playing football. <laughs> I mean, Jason Witten said he retired and then has decided I'm going to go back to playing football. So, I don't know. It, it seems like it's a weird thing that they're doing. I tell you what, if they did land Al Michaels, I mean, I get it. The move probably doesn't make sense for Al Michaels. That'd be a huge gift for ESPN, though, because Al Michaels, I mean, is there really anybody who's better at this business at what they do. I mean, he is, he calls a great game, no matter what it is. He is the consummate professional. Yeah. I hold him in such a high standard. Uh, very few names are on his tier. You can throw Bob Costas. Exactly. I would throw Bob Costas up there. Absolutely. And, uh, as far as great play by play guys, these game, ugh. I, I'd say Joe Buck. Joe Buck has got. I like the way Joe Buck calls a game. I know he's not always popular, especially with some of the fans up here, but he calls a great game. I've gone from being a Joe Buck hater to a. I feel like he's better. I feel like he's a better baseball play-by-play guy than he is at football. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, he's grown on me over the years. You know, I'm trying to think. You know, and I do like Jim Nance. I think he's a perfect guy to match Romo with. I don't put him on that. Costas, Michaels, Joe Buck tier yet? No, no, it's uh, he's getting there. Though. He's up there. Yeah, yeah he's um, absolutely up there. I'm, well, I'm trying to think of guys within I, ESPN I, that I really I, like. You know who's a very underrated broadcaster? Tariko. Steve, uh, St- there you go, Tariko, and yeah. Steve Levy is the one I was going to say. Steve Levy is also very underrated. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, but he calls a great game. I love him in, in the football booth. Yeah, I uh, Tariko's like one of the best though. Tariko's one of the few guys who can step in and take over a sport mm-hmm. and actually know what he's talking about because he took over and did hockey a couple days and like actually knew what he was talking about whereas hockey's not the easiest sport to uh get to i mean you can see it when it's ever the ncaa tournament mm-hmm. rolls around and espn i feel bad for this one guy he's a race car yes <laughs> and they threw him in there and be like here you know you know, broadcast this game. A guy's never covered hockey before, mm-hmm. and he's trying to do the best he can, and it's just like, but if you've never done it before, it's not an easy sport to pick up. ESPN doesn't have a lot of hockey guys still left after the purge a few years ago. They've got Melrose, Butchie, and Clay Matvick, and that's about it. Uh, there there might be a few others I'm not thinking of. I think Linda Cohn's pretty good Okay, yeah. yeah um, but it's... As far as play-by-play guys, there's not a whole lot out there. You know, and I'm glad that Butchie's part of our network, but he doesn't get the hockey opportunities that he could elsewhere, but he calls a great game, too. Oh, yeah. Um, there's just um, there's some guys who can do everything, and there's some guys who are just very good at their specific sport. Um, Kevin Harlan is really yes. good. Yes, he is. I mean, Kevin Harlan went from, like, a strictly NBA guy to mm-hmm. being able to do football and being able to do baseball. I mean, the guy can do a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, uh, I know he's... He's a total weirdo outside of the mic and everything, but I love listening to Marv Albert. I really do. I know I get it. He's a total weirdo, but I like him. I like yeah. I like the way he calls a game. Yes, <laughs> yes. I can't do his yes, but isn't it hard to tell the difference between him and Kevin Harlan's voice? I can't tell the difference. It's to be very, honest, they're both you. very very deep. That's something that I I. I'm in this profession, and I do this on a much smaller scale than them. I should be able to know without the TV panning to them and showing me who is doing it, but I should be able to tell the difference between Kevin Harlan and uh, and uh, Steve Albert. I'm sorry, Marv Albert. Uh, oh, Kenny Albert. He's a guy that he's one of my favorite play-by-play guys. 
You know, back in the day, there were people who used to think like Summerall and Madden were like the premier team. Mm-hmm. I could not stand either one of them. <laughs> it's like you had Pat Summerall was Mr. No Personality whatsoever, and then Madden wouldn't shut up the entire time. So it's just, I just don't understand how they were so iconic. Um, I mean, Pat Summerall could see see a leaping one-handed Odell Beckham catch and be like, touchdown Giants <laughs> in the corner. And you're just, I mean, how did you make an existence about like just being so monotone <laughs> your entire life? But there you go. I tell you what, uh, Kenny Albert is one of those guys. Kenny though, Albert's that a good one. I, I really, really, oh, Gus Johnson. Just, Gus Johnson, I understand how people like or don't like him. He's very polarizing. <laughs> he is. I, I think he's great, though. I'm, I'm in the category that I do think he's great. Um, I don't know if he'd be great doing baseball, though. I kind of want to hear it, but he's got he's too excited. Uh, he's too excitable, and baseball's too slow for him. I would no. think. I, I think if like there was a double play ball, he'd lose his mind. You <laughs> over it to just. Can you imagine Gus Johnson calling a double play? Oh yeah, like a routine double play. How oh, great would yeah, that be? It, it would be intense. But uh, I, I, it's you got to have a fast paced game for Gus Johnson, and it's just not his thing. Uh, Dan Schulman is another guy within the oh, organization. Yeah. I really think he calls a great game, and still my favorite play by play broadcaster at ESPN any sport is Sean McDonough. There's a guy who often gets overlooked. He does. He gets overlooked way too much. I uh, And I feel like there's a lot of underrated guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some guys who are so boisterous with their personality that you they immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, how about Ian Eagle? Yes, he's another one. There you go. Ian Eagle's one of the most, like, you can laugh and say maybe he's over-prepared mm-hmm. sometimes, but you never see him slip up. Right. Like, <laughs> it was a what weird was noise. Yeah, it was a weird noise. Was that next back door? Of, yeah, I think it was. But, uh, well, he they showed, like, the placard that he has in front of him during mm-hmm. the broadcast, and he has, like, some it planned out for each specific, like, second of the game <laughs> on what he's going to say. And uh, But that's why he doesn't really slip up mm-hmm. is because he's so prepared for what could happen. Oh, and, of course, we've got our uh, college football, our top uh, crew there. That, I mean, they, they do a wonderful job, and uh, they uh, – I don't know. Do they get the credit they deserve? Herb Street? Or, yeah. Well, Herb Street's a color guy. Right. But, uh, I think he's a great color guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Nestle used to do a real good job play it by play. NCAA college football video game, man. That was mm-hmm. the that was the Brad Nestler Kirk Herb Street <laughs> crew. And uh, Nestle used to be really good at it. Lundquist started to fade later in oh, his life. Oh, he's another iconic one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, who is the guy with Herb Street now? I mean, it's uh, Chris Fowler. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Fowler's really grown on me too. I like him. I like him a lot. I think he calls a great game. Um, I don't. I don't know that anyone that we mentioned though. After I still think the pinnacle is probably Al Michaels. Uh, could you put Mike Tirico in the in the pinnacle right now? I would say he's definitely top five. Yeah. Um, I would for me, it's like Costas and Michaels are probably at the those top. are the top two. I think Joe Buck is maybe just a shade under them. Yeah. yeah, he's probably top three. Uh, and Tarico would be the logical choice to uh, to replace Al Michaels on very, Sunday Night Football if he were to come to ESPN. Very much so. I uh, but it's it just shows how rare people, how rare it is to find a really good broadcaster, and uh, it's just you'd have to have a natural talent for it, and you have to be able to work hard on it if you. You can't just go in and just say, I'm going to be good today. No, you actually have to do a lot of behind the work to do it. Uh, would you put Vern Lundquist up there with the, with those top three? 
I could say, like, back in the day, mm-hmm. like, when he was in the say Keith Jackson used to be iconic. Yeah, yep. Uh, he was, the, he was, I mean, just the sayings and his, uh, his old-timey Southern mm-hmm. remarks that he'd make over the game, those are my favorites. Okay, here, my old, uh, before we hit the break and do the Friday funnies, my previous uh, favorite broadcaster within ESPN, he's since uh, gone on to CBS and then retired, Brent Musburger. He used to be one of the best. You could put him up there with uh, yeah. Tarico and Costas, maybe. Yeah, you could put him definitely into top three. And then, like, he got weird. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, as, he got, he's, as he got older, maybe yeah. a little bit. I mean, he picked the right time to probably call Quetz. Yeah, he realized you need to step away. But he, he has such a great voice. Yeah, he's a great. He's a quality voice. But uh, I back in the day when he was alive, mm-hmm. I would say Keith well, Jackson I mean, was top. Oh, oh, Keith Jackson. Keith yeah. Jackson was probably one of my top three. He mm-hmm. just... Uh, just the quotes, and especially later on in life, when he'd have to do all these promos for stuff, mm-hmm. and you could tell he couldn't care <laughs> like any less at all, and just would completely half it out there, and just <laughs> it was just it was just too priceless. It was great. Danner Hoops, Ryan Steig with you. Friday Funnies next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Man with the Sports Pen podcast. Check it out by getting uh, to our website, ESPNUP.com, or check out our free mobile app. Uh, don't forget that we've got Westwood Patriot Girls Basketball tonight on ESPN UP, 7 o'clock tip, 645 pregame. And if you missed our coaches show, which includes interviews with both Coach O'Donnell and Coach Corcoran, uh, that will play again here in about nine minutes once we sign off. And that is also available on demand on our website and with our app. We end every week with the Friday funnies. Ryan's here battling a cold. We appreciate him. Still, you, you went above and beyond, man. You've got hockey tonight, a huge series, and still found time to put together funnies. I, 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 I went all out before the show. I tried to gather as much as I can. Um, is Julian Edelman becoming sad? A little bit. Yeah. it's uh, He's becoming, you know, I joked on Twitter, he's he's going to turn into John Cusack hold, holding the boombox outside of Tom Brady's house. He, okay, so people didn't see it. At the Syracuse basketball game, he's sitting next to Tom at the game, and he's insisting that he, Tom's going to come back. And Tom's just rolling his eyes and be like, I don't want to talk about this. Just leave me alone. And then Julian is now selling gear, saying, Stay Tom 2020 on his website. You know when you do that, you're basically saying, I am a weak receiver, and I am nothing without my quarterback. And he, People have kind of shown that. Wes Welker bombed as soon as he left Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You got Danny Amendola has bombed yep. ever since he left Tom Brady. Julian Edelman is basically saying, as soon as he leaves, I will be useless when it comes to your fantasy team. Why is Tom Brady at a Syracuse basketball game? I, that's my question. Yeah. I mean, he, he likes the mascot. Yeah, I don't he know. went to Michigan, and Julian Edelman went to Kent State, and they're not alums or anything yeah. like that something to do uh-huh. I, but uh i just it, it's pathetic for me to watch this because mm-hmm. i'm just like dude it's like it's like you're that ex who you know <laughs> is hanging on like the guy doesn't want to it's clean yeah it's like you don't want to break up with them but they're like trying to hang on mm-hmm. don't break up with me <laughs> i'll be better you know stick around kind of a thing and uh I think it'd be really funny if Tom just left, just because I think Julian wouldn't be able to handle himself. 
Trevor Bauer does Trevor Bauer things, mm-hmm. um, has decided the first batter he faced Monday, he basically told the batter what was coming by motioning with his glove. And uh, basically, from now on during spring training, he's planning on just telling them each pitch that's coming. He is it's, such a troll. Yeah, and uh, but I give him credit. I'm not a huge fan of him personally, but he hates the whole Astros scandal mm-hmm. and think it's bad for baseball, so he's just, okay, since they get to steal signs, I'm just going to tell everybody it's going to come. You I know? used to not like him very much more. Now that he's not with Cleveland, he's starting to grow on me a little bit. I've, I've watched him in person, beat the Twins many times, so I didn't like him for a while, but power outage, I'm, he's starting to grow on yeah. Um What do you think of the mic'd up athletes you in know, spring training? I think it's funny. It is really funny. I wouldn't like him to do it in the regular season because it just it's weird and affects the game, but uh, some of these guys are outstanding. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, was he mic'd up? Rizzo was great the other day. Rizzo and Chris Bryant had a fun time because Chris Bryant's mic'd up and so is Anthony Rizzo. And, uh, um, so Chris Bryant, um, it's this long, long, long shot. And we're thinking it's going out, but it goes fall. And Chris Bryant's trotting back to the plate, and he goes, "Ugh, now I'm tired." <laughs> and then he hits a pop fly. He goes, and you can hear Chris Bryant. He goes, "These are the worst." He goes, "I have to run these out all the time." And Anthony Rizzo goes, "But you need to set a good example for the kids out there." And it's like guys are just really embracing it, mm-hmm. and I think that's hilarious. Oh, it's great. Um, and then of course there's, um, the tr- I love this one because it's newspapers. The Toronto Star called the coronavirus the Gretzky of viruses. Oh my gosh! That was their headline on the main page during the week. It's uh, and I'm just like. Is this the only way Canadians can understand stuff if you referenced hockey in the headline? Because it's like, so it's good? I'm trying to think what you're trying to say with this. The sports pen is the power play goal of all upper Michigan radio shows. It's it just, what? <laughs> but I just loved it because it's an amazing headline. Um, Jackson State has their manager mm-hmm. named Snacks uh, put in the game. Uh, and this guy is the team manager, and he desperately wants to shoot a three. Okay, it took some four tr- took him four tries, and the announcers are laughing the whole time at this. And uh, finally, on the fourth try, he makes the three, and the whole arena goes nuts. <laughs> and it has to do with the announcers, and he's named Swack Player of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> See, he got a signed jersey from Kevin Durant yesterday, too. Yes, uh, good for snacks. That's great. That's, that's that's one of my favorite stories of the week. So, Joel Embiid, do you see what happened on Jeopardy the oh, other yeah. day? Um, well, for those who didn't know, um, I'm a Jeopardy fan. I love Jeopardy. Mm. And uh, the category was current sports nicknames. And the answer was Joel Embiid in 2019 um, won a trademark for this nickname of his that also describes this, the 76ers' strategy of improving the team, which is, of course, the process. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy's guess was do a 180. <laughs> so Joel Embiid has embraced that, changed his Twitter name to Joel do, an, do a 180 <laughs> Embiid, and has recently um, introduced a video of him having the ball spinning in a circle and throwing it to a teammate to emphasize how he's become do 180. He's a fun guy. Like, he's outlandish, but he's still in control. Except he did say this week he believes he's the best player in the world, and you're really not. No, he's you're not. You're up there, but, but, but you're not the best player in the world. Um, 
you know about the Spike Th- Spike Lee thing, oh, yeah. right? Okay, for those who don't know, Spike Lee has been using the wrong entrance at Madison Square Garden. There's a feud between him and and James Dolan. So SI decided we're going to count down the wackiest NR Nix's PR disasters in the last few years. Oh, no. Number six, they bar the New York Daily News from access to a post-draft conference, and then they get fined by the NBA for it. 2010, James Dolan sends a press release insisting he won't ever sell the team. Number four, 2020 March, gets into the war of words with Spike Lee. December 2019, he fires David Fisdale, and without, like, saying thank you for your time, he did a lot of effort for those, just announces that he's been fired. Yeah. So he's like poor Kirk Van Houten from the Cracker Factory on The Simpsons. <laughs> I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> um, number two, they issued a statement saying... The guy hired to work on marketing and branding goes on ESPN and talked about the hedge coaching situation. They issued a statement admonishing him for doing what they hired him to do in the first place. And then, number one, uh, they enrage a feud, engage in a feud with Charles Oakley. They get him arrested at a game and say everything he says is in pure fiction. Is this the most inept franchise? Oh, in the absolutely. I, I, I can't really describe the Knicks without saying debacle. I uh, I uh, was reading on air a couple of days ago the all-decade team for this past decade. The point guard is Raymond Felton. Nice. <laughs> I tell you what. Do you know they banned Marv Albert from this 1970s celebration? The, yes. Yep. Because he was critical of the team during the broadcast at that time. The, wow. The Knicks are the Knicks, man. <laughs> there, there's a few other reasons you could ban Marv Albert, but that's probably not one no, of them. No, not because he was mean back in 1970. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, the Friday Funnies, is that, that all you got? Well, I had one more. but oh, if go you, ahead. All right, wait, one more. One minute left. We'll okay. stick it in, though. Uh, Alabama scored three runs on four Harvard errors on the same play. So it's a ground ball. They throw it to second and threw it in the center field. They tried to throw it and get the guy out at third. It's wide. Mm. Then they throw it home, and they throw it wide, and the first baseman collects it and throws it away. So a guy who had a ground ball to, to first base managed to get an inside-the-park home run <laughs> off of four errors in the most non-Harvard-esque way, but four errors on the same play. And some people, guy put Yakety Sacks from the Benny Hill Stowe on there, so it's pretty funny. I know a couple of guys on that Harvard team. I uh, covered them when I was up in Duluth. Uh, with the Duluth Huskies in the Northwoods League. But I tell you what, uh, tough break for them. Very much so. That is it uh, for us here in ESPN-UP. Got anything that is uh, coming up at the Mining Journal pertinent we should be aware of? Well, of course, uh, you know, the game recap from tonight for hockey is going to be in there. and I, um, So, yeah, that's a big thing. In my column where I preview spring training for the Tigers and the Brewers are in there. I know it's sad for Tigers fans, but I'm trying to find some positive things. And, of course, you know, on Monday, Saturday, and Sunday's recaps are going to be on there. I tell you what, all the best to the Northern teams this weekend. Hockey, basketball, lacrosse, everyone, what have you. Thanks for tuning in to Sports Pen. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops on ESPN, UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.